And if you are uh, new to Living Hope this morning, I want to extend, as Pastor Dennis did, a a warm welcome to you. We are so grateful to have you with us. It's a joy. You can start to see what God is doing here, even with some of our team out this week. Man, God is on the move. He's moving in our hearts. He's moving in our families. He's moving across this community. He's building his kingdom, of which Living Hope is one church. Oh, man, I love this church. I'm so so grateful to be here. We just started a new series, and so you're coming in right towards the beginning. It's a great time to hop in because we looked in the first few weeks since we launched at Jesus in his own words. We want to hear straight from Jesus because that's how a community is formed. First, you come to the word of God. You meet the Savior, and he says, come and follow me. And we say, okay, <laughs> we're in. We love you, Lord. We want to know you. You've changed our lives. And and where else would we go? You have the word of eternal life. And as we follow him, we see people bumping shoulders with us side to side. Brothers and sisters in this thing called the the family of God, the church, gospel community. There's a lot of different names for it. And we're unpacking just a few of them in a short six-week series from the book of 1 Peter. Last week, we saw that we are children of God. You've got to understand that. If you don't know that you are a child of God because of Jesus Christ the Son, that's where we start. That is the good news. That's more important than anything. And the next is we get to verses 22 to 25. We see what does authentic love look like? And how do we get it? How many of you think you should feel loved when you step into a church that that calls themselves followers of Jesus? Yes, I won't ask you to raise your hand if you've stepped into a church that didn't make you feel loved and people call themselves followers of Jesus. I think some of us have had that experience as well. And honestly, that's people. That's people. That's why we worship Jesus, not people, not the church. But we see that sincere, authentic love is possible for Christ's followers. But we have to understand our identity and where that love comes from. It comes from the Word of God. So this morning, you'll see our our title slide here. We are people of the Word. And thank God for that. So let's run to the Word here right now. I'm actually going to start in verse 21 because this establishes, again, Peter's talking to believers, the identity of the church, and then we'll get into unpacking our identity. Oh, one page out of place here. Starting verse 21. This is the English Standard Version. Who through him, that's Jesus, are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass. Oh, does that sound familiar? All flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. I love that. Look at verse 21. Who are we? First of all, we're we're people who have walked out of the tomb. Our Jesus rose from the dead. 
after he died to cover our sins and atone us. So while the world is celebrating zombies and skeletons and gravestones this week, we celebrate an empty tomb. There's nothing, there's nothing cool about the tomb. It's about what Jesus did coming out of the tomb. That's why we have living hope. And if you identify in Christ, if you have asked God to forgive you of your sins, which we'll talk a little bit more later on about why that's necessary. And if Jesus is your Savior, he is your Lord, and you are following him, then you also have been raised. Your identity is in God. You're a child of God. But we also see that we are people of the word. And the three main points here, which I realize I never got those handouts to you. So uh, I'll get those to you afterwards. And you can fill in the blanks from memory. Uh, we are people of the word who were born again by the word, transformed through the word, and we love from the word. So first, we're born again by the word. So instead of jumping straight to the command in this text, which is love one another, right? You saw that. Love one another. This is how my mind works, but I also think that's how Peter's mind works, and I appreciate that. Why, Peter? Why should I love? It's like that middle schooler, you know, or that kid. Why do we got to do this? Why, why do we have to love one another? Okay, so let's start at the very beginning. How that love is even possible, where it comes from. Everyone loves a good origin story. If it's Batman, Superman, let's see, what, what else did I think of as an as a, um, origin story? Michael Jordan, oh yes. We lived in North Carolina for a number of years. We'd go over to Wilmington to the beach, and every time you drive to Wilmington, you just think, okay, that's, that's where Michael Jordan, that's where MJ came from. That's his origin, playing basketball with his brother Larry out on the, the backyard court, right? That's, that's the origin. The origin for the children of God, we actually find our roots in, in eternity past. This isn't something that happened yesterday or, or that we thought of. Hey, it'd be a good idea to start a church, you know, and, and we gather together on Sunday mornings. No, no, no. This goes very back to who God is. God is eternal. He's timeless. Never had a birthday. Let that sink in for a moment. Never had a birthday. Never had a beginning. Never had an origin. He's always been. And in his heart to love and create and, and build his kingdom so that we might know and love him the way that the Father, Son, and the Spirit know one another. Our God is three in one. But how have we been born again? Specifically, Peter says, through imperishable seed, through the word of God. Imperishable seed. In the parable of the sower, Jesus says, the word of God, the gospel, that's the seed being sown, right? And he talks about the different kinds of soil, talking about the human heart and the condition. If you're ready to receive that seed or not, you might have hard, rocky soil. You might have heart that's it's mixed and doubtful when the hard times come. It, it doesn't really take. You're, you're not receptive to it. But the point is that we are to be sowers of the word because that's where the power is found. The seed, that's life. That's, that's origin. That means anything we have in Jesus Christ comes because the word brought that to us and the spirit caused that seed to sprout, bringing us life. One, one theologian said, his name is David Helm, like a seed, the Bible is alive. It contains within itself 
everything necessary for life. Everything necessary for life. And imperishable, what a way to describe the word. It never goes out of style, in God's eyes. It never runs out of its usefulness, and it leads to eternal life. So it's not a pointless seed, like, like weed seeds that pop up, or grass that, that pops up over there in your bed. And it, that, Why are you there? There's no point for you to be there. You know, it's just what the Word of God will sprout and lead to eternal life. It's imperishable. It does not fade. Its wisdom does not um, uh, fade away over time. But the word is also living and abiding. You know, this book that we hold in our hands, this is not like any other book you pull off the shelf. It's a supernatural book. We say word of God, that's what we mean. So if you're to pull up your phone, you look at your text threads, who's been texting you lately? This is God's text to us. All of it. From beginning to end. And I don't get to decide what texts are useful and not. It's all useful because God spoke it. Now, some of these texts might not necessarily change your life in one day. You read a genealogy, okay, I don't quite understand that. And, but when you look at the whole, when you look at the whole, every single passage is significant. God makes no mistakes in the arrangement of the canon of scripture. And what is the word, by the way? Is, is Peter referring to the law? Because if I remember right, the law was not sufficient to save us. The law simply pointed out, here's all the ways that you and I fall short. Because guess what? Life doesn't originate with us. We were born spiritually dead. Why was that? Because when God created Adam and Eve in the garden, first man and woman, they have a perfect relationship. It's perfection, a perfect state. Their hearts are right with God. He says, go and, and, and till this earth and take care of creation and, and multiply and fill this earth with worshipers who enjoy God and love one another. And this is perfect paradise. But I do need to give you a word. I need to command you, you are not to eat of the tree of the knowledge and good and evil. God's word bring, brings life. And God's word is meant to be kept. All they do is keep one command. Did they do it? No. Because they thought life could be found apart from God's word. So the moment that they sinned, breaking themselves off from the eternal living word of God, from connection in the heart to him, they fell. And they fell into sin. And that leads to death. So the word brings life, but we are born dead. We are perishable. That's why Peter quotes, all flesh is like what? Grass. Do you know how long a blade of grass will last? See, I thought it lasted like a year or two. I got to cut it all the time. No, an individual blade of grass lasts 40 days, maybe 50. So when you cut your grass, you know, say once a week, let's say we're, we're, we've been good this past week. We cut our grass, okay? Say you've done that, okay? You get... You know, get friendly with that grass. You're only going to see it three more times. Then you're going to have a whole new yard and not even realize it. Goodbye. Goodbye. It, it withers and fades. Peter says that is the human existence apart from God. We're born 
we die, life is but a vapor. Take a breath in, let it out. That's our life. We are perishing. The United States of America will one day fade. Every kingdom in the history of mankind, even in its heyday, found a climax, declined. Nothing lasts forever. The news is all about right now, the big tech is crashing in the stock markets. And all the, the stock market gurus said, this is what you should invest in. Invest in Meta. Invest in Facebook. Tanking. What happened? Nothing lasts forever. And if we stay in our natural state, we will perish and perish for eternity in the lake of fire. But here's what Jesus said. Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth will pass away. Everything I've created that's, that's, that's now marred by sin will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And he says, those who believe in me will live forever. Do we take Jesus at his word? Have we believed the good news that was preached to us? The good news is the gospel. That's what scripture tells us about. It, there's a reason it starts at creation. This is our origin story. We find who we are in God. In the beginning, God, he's always been. But we have not always been. We were created, created in his image for his glory. But we broke his word. We ran our own way. We're sinners. We're perishing inside. We will spend eternity in the lake of fire apart from him. And the law, the law was necessary to show us what right and wrong is. But if we're honest... We are almost always wrong and certainly never right in God's eyes because even on my best days, I'm not glorifying God. And I even pat myself on the back when I do good. I feel pretty good about that. Don't give the glory to God. That's why we need Jesus. He is the word made flesh. He kept the law. He kept all of God's word. He kept his covenant love. He loved people perfectly and by his death, he opened up a new way of living, a way of faith. You put your faith in Jesus, the perfect son of God, the sacrificial lamb, and his blood covers us, covers our sins, opens up a new and living way. And the empty tomb is the guarantee. As he rose, we will rise with him. So yes, I will still perish. My body is getting older and decrepit and gray, and, and one day I'll find myself in the grave. But to be absent in the body is to be present with Jesus. My soul will live forever. That's what Peter says. It's about the soul. Does your soul have life through Jesus? This is the word that was preached to us. Not my words, not my opinions. It's the word of God. It's right here. You can read it for yourself. In fact, I want you to read it for yourself. You don't come to church to figure out, oh, you know, so the church says this. Therefore, no, the Bible says so. This is the authority we stand on. This is why I can say this is, this is what God says. The Lord says this, and you can check me on it. You can read it for yourself. That's not something the church has always had, friends. What a gift this is. And you can buy it in brown, black. You can have, you can have the gold leaf. You have silver. Okay, you have all different kinds of translations. So what's our excuse for not opening it? Lord, you are so gracious and patient. But we as a church last night got to serve at Fall Festival. 
hundreds of people going by. Hundreds of people. Souls. Souls that will spend eternity somewhere. And we were there with our tent, planting our, our Jesus flag, saying, we want you to be born again. We want you to have eternal life. Would you like to have a conversation? Could we pray for you? Can, can we get your information and follow up? Come, come join us at church. We are a church that loves our community. That love comes from understanding. You've got to be born again, and that only comes by the word. So we gather around the word. We open the word. We learn from the word, and we go deeper in the gospel. And as we do, as we go deeper in the gospel, we are changed. So that's point number two that Peter makes right here. We're transformed through the word. Verse 22, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth. Now, he is talking about the point in time where you put your faith in Jesus for the first time. Salvation or conversion. I'm converted to Jesus. I'm brought into the family of God. The moment I put my faith in Jesus and turn from my sins. Praise God for that moment. But did you know this is the perfect tense? Having purified. At one point in time, our souls were purified by the cleansing power, the grace of Jesus Christ. And that purification continues. It's a process to become more like Jesus. It starts when our heart is changed. We're born again. But, but like our little one, who's now seven months old, he's, he didn't stay a newborn. He's growing. He's ready to start crawling. So the children of God are to grow up in maturity. We're to be changed to be more like Jesus. After all, if Jesus is the perfect one, and he put his spirit inside of us. He is with us. He has a purpose for us. And he's preparing a home for us. Don't we now today want to be more like him? So when we see him, he is pleased with us and our growth in him. Our appreciation for the gospel. Our love for him causes us to come to the word again and again. And we're purified again. Not saved again. But every day we need purifying, we need cleansing, we need renewing. The work continues. As we go deeper into the gospel, our lives should look a lot less like a hellish landscape of pride and bitterness and anger and fear. And the living water of God's truth and love starts to bring a lush, beautiful scenery in our lives. Can you see it? Isaiah 40. Make a way... There's a way coming. You think of a desert, dry and barren. That's who we were apart from Jesus. Once we have Jesus, now the greenery should appear. Now there's life. Now there's fruit. Love one another. Because we've been changed. And we're being changed to look more and more. And our worldly affections, our love for the world, our thoughts that are not God's thoughts, but selfish and proud, they're cleansed away. Old habits we can die to those and live to a new way of living as we draw into Christ. It takes time. It's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. But there's hope. There's hope for the believer because we have been born again. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says this. Maybe this is you today. Maybe you're discouraged. Maybe you're coming in. You've had a tough week or some tough things going on. He says, we do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. So don't be discouraged. Did you fail last week? 
Did we mess up? Did we disobey God? Did we not keep his word? I'm guilty as the rest of us. There's forgiveness for that. There's restoration. And when you come out the other side of that, it's a learning experience for us to trust in Christ, not in our own strength, and to remember that the Father loves us no matter what. So we're obedient to the truth. The truth is our hope, our connection to God. The blueprint for our life comes out of the woodwork as we understand what the gospel means for my life today. As the theme of First Peter is, you see it from that picture, it's a church and it's like in the clouds, but you also see there's, so there's some earthiness there. It's, it's the beautiful picture of who the church is now because we have heaven in our hearts because of Jesus, but we're not there yet. We're, we're already in God's family, but we're not yet home. This world is not our home. We're passing through. So now how do we live? Who's our guide and how do we find the way? Second Timothy 3, 16 to 17 tells us all scripture, all scripture is breathed out by God. Literally, God breathed and profitable for teaching us, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Of course, that's true for women as well. But that picture there is of a mature man. And Paul is writing to a young pastor like myself, telling him, you want to grow up in the faith? You want your faith not to be an absolute shipwreck when the hard times come? Stand on the word. All of it. All of scripture is breathed out by God and it is necessary for us. We need it. And, and this makes parenting so much easier. <laughs> it's hard enough. It's impossible. But at least we got a blueprint. At least when, when our kids ask us, why? Because God says so. Or how do I know I'm a boy? How do I know I'm a girl? Because God created us man and woman. It's written. I don't, I don't come up with this. I don't make up my origin story. It's here. And the only way you're going to know where you're going is if you know where you've been and what Jesus has done and what he's doing today. It's all right here. That's also our blueprint for the church. But I have to warn you all, this might not shock you, but truth is not trendy. Have you picked up on that? Truth is not trendy. You're going to hear it. You're going to see it. You guys are a bunch of dinosaurs. You believe in this, this old book written thousands of years ago? There's no way this is relevant for today. I even read this tweet from a man the other day who claims to be a Christian, supposedly a pastor. And he said, there's some Bible translations, you know, like the ESV, the name's this translation. They shouldn't be used. You know why? Because they were translated by white men in patriarchal societies. So you should throw this in the trash bin. The word of God. Throw it in the trash bin because I don't like that it was white guys that translated it in a European country. What are we talking about? Do you hear the world in his tweet? It's all over it. It's come by the world's philosophy or not at all. And praise God, our church is multi-ethnic. We don't want just white churches, but you know what? 
God works through white people. My life is a testimony. And he works through black and Asian, Hispanic. Praise God for that. But this is the word of God. You and I don't get to determine its value. It's value because God said it. It's not going anywhere near a trash bin. That tweet can go in the trash bin, right? And the fact that you even think that shows that the world is, is discipling you towards the wrong way of thinking. And our culture rails on us. I, I can't believe you don't accept this lifestyle. I, I, I can't believe that, that you actually say we should stay pure for marriage because <laughs> that's God's idea. God's idea, right? That, that his marriage, he created marriage. He gets to determine what is right or wrong. But you know what's awesome about how God works and he's eternal. You know what? I'm older than the dinosaurs because my faith goes from eternity past. It is ancient, ancient, ancient. But guess what? I'm also ahead of the time. So when culture decides we're going to swing back the other way, like they always do. There's a movement and there's a counter movement. When they swing back the other way, you're going to find us standing right where we are. Same place on the word of God. Y'all are over here and then you're over here and then you're over here and then you're over here again. The madness never stops. But when you know the word of God, you got the foundation. We're not blowing anywhere. We stand strong. So don't be discouraged, believers. Don't lose heart. It can be disorienting can be jarring when you see what goes on in the world. What's coming next? Is there persecution around the bend for believers in this country? Quite possibly. I saw someone the other day that they, they, they said in response to all the violence going on, they're like, I never thought democracy would fail, but I'm starting to think it will. You bet it will. Because who's on the throne of a democracy? Wicked people. Who's on the throne of the kingdom of God? Now that's a kingdom. That will never fail. So we keep pressing on. We go back to the word. We sit at the feet of Jesus and we respond like him. And when we do, point number three, we sincerely love God and others. It's, it's sincere. It's authentic. Now, the command to love one another, Karen Jobes wrote in her first Peter commentary, the command to love one another cannot be lived in isolation. As I said before, as you follow Jesus, you see, now you're rubbing shoulders with brothers and sisters. And that's not, hey, I'm gonna throw out an elbow. Stay away from me. Now bring him in. Bring him in. Family. We're family. We are now one another because we are in the family of God. So yes, it might be easier to stay home on Sunday. It might be easier to not uh, be emotionally vulnerable, connect with people, be honest about where you're at spiritually, accept help from others in shepherding and discipling and praying for you and meeting your needs. It might be easier for you to do that, but a hundred times in the New Testament, the word for one another is used in the Greek, all alone, all alone. And 59 of those times, it's a command. Love one another, serve one another, accept one another bear one another's burdens do you get the picture how can we faithfully love and follow jesus if we say i don't need to be around people jesus heart bled for the people he gave his life for us 
and for the person sitting next to you. So we care about one another. We love with sincere brotherly love, okay? It's not, it's not the world's definition of love, and it's not a creepy kind of love. It's brotherly love. We're family. We care. That word sincere means without hypocrisy. In other words, you're not an actor on a stage wearing a mask. One thing that the Lord worked on my heart when I was in seminary, we do have some friends from, from our church and seminary where Lacey and I were for a, a number of years in North Carolina. So grateful for them and their ministry. When we were there, I made a vow with the Lord and I asked the Lord, Lord, I'm so tired of hearing pastors living a double life. There's somebody holy and upright on stage and they're home. They're just a mess and they're a jerk to their family and they keep it a secret. God, help me not to be a hypocrite. Let my life not discredit the platform that you give me. But we should all be that way, not just pastors. God, free me from putting on the mask. Let me be real, even if it's ugly, even, even if I'm afraid people might be scared of me, they might keep me, or maybe they'll bring you in because that's what sincere followers of Jesus do. We sincerely love each other. Come as you are, but you don't have to stay that way. Thank God for that. When needs arise, I want to commend our church. You all step up. You meet those needs. Yesterday, it was awesome because not only did you all serve with your gifts and abilities, you also got to see others serve. And then you're encouraging one another and you're building each other up. You would not see how God is working in other people's lives if you stayed home and you missed out on that. Now, I know, schedules change and things happen. I'm not trying to guilt me one that, that wasn't there. But what I'm saying is, when we make time and space for God's people, we see the kingdom built. We see the church built. When we strive to be a loving church for our community, when people walk in that door, do they feel loved? They feel like we genuinely care about you. We care what, what is going on in your life. And here's some ways that I've seen our church step up and care recently. On the heels of an incredible disaster, helping with disaster relief and yard cleanup, grocery assistance, helping single moms, giving out candy, giving out the good news of Jesus Christ, inviting neighbors to church, starting a Bible study so that people can hear the word of God for themselves. Those are just some of the ways that I've seen you all step up in love. That's why our mission is fully devote ourselves to Jesus. Have my heart, Jesus. And when we do that, we will inevitably want to follow him and connect with others. We want to love them earnestly, earnestly. What does that word mean? It means continually. We don't cancel one another. That's the world. The world will cancel. The body of Christ always says, you're welcome. Even if we see you walking in a way that's not according to the word of God, you're being disobedient. We see a glaring hole in your testimony of this is what you say you believe, but, but we're seeing this. We're still going to love you. And part of loving you is speaking the truth, what you need to hear. I'm not going to throw you out. We will speak the truth in love. We will shepherd you. We will care for you because we continually love you. and want to see you take that next step spiritually. And how encouraging is it that love never fails? Because if I have to manufacture that love, it's going to fail. But if I'm tied to God's love, God's love is eternal. 
There's no failing that. There's no sending your way out of God's love. Our relationships and friendships on earth, they'll pass away. Best friends pass away. Spouses pass away. Parenting, it's momentary. They grow up. Baby's got to fly, right? Your job, one day you're going to retire from it. If you haven't already, everything comes and goes. Accept the love of God. So what's Peter's point? Love one another. We're people of the word. If you miss the Jesus connection, we're not looking closely enough. Who is the one who is all wisdom? Who is the one who shows us the heart of God and his love? Who is the one who never lets us down? He's the friend that never leaves. He keeps every single one of his promises. He's the only one with a pure heart. The only one who's never been a hypocrite once in his life is Jesus. And that is why when we worship, we worship Jesus. You've had a good week, bad week. It's Jesus. You failed as a parent this week. Jesus, I need you. You led somebody to Christ this week. Praise God. Lead them to Jesus. Why do we make disciples? Why do I make time in my schedule to help people, pray for them, serve them? Because it's all for the glory of Jesus. We're people of the word. We're people who belong to Jesus and always will. So as we conclude our study this morning, as we think about the permanence of God's word, how do you need to respond why don't we bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment? You can stand with me. I'll invite Mark up here in a moment. We'll close in a song. But we're in one of these camps together. Have you ever discovered the love of God for the first time? Given your life to him. Has he saved you and brought you into his family? If not, then that would be the step of response today. Come to him. His arms are wide open. There's no sin. You have sinned. There's no regrets from the past. There's no shame that's too heavy for him to carry. He already took it on the cross. Give it to him. Do you need to connect to a local church where you can continually grow in a seedbed of faith? Where you have the opportunity to rub shoulders with people and actually love one another and make disciples. I hope and pray you'll consider Living Hope Church. We strive to be an authentic community of Christ followers. And we invite you to come back and, and connect with us. Maybe you're here and you, you need to understand how God's word works. Never, haven't given much thought to this being the actual word of God and don't know much about it. And let us help. We have resources for you. We can take you on a Bible study. We can invite you into a small group. We can help you in different ways to understand and grow. Maybe you're here today and you've been bitter at somebody. You've struggled with that one person that's just impossible to love. There's bitterness in your heart and you don't want to give it up because honestly, that person deserves judgment. They deserve bitterness. But when we understand God's grace, we need to let that go. I want to invite you to these open steps or the open benches in the front or in the back you find a chair find someone and pray and give that to god confess that and let his 
that the truths of his word cleanse your heart all over again.